Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, I'm his sexaholic, power over lust. And uh, uh, I have to uh, say something first so you'll understand the story. And uh, that I'm a Catholic priest. And... Uh, I have 30 years of sobriety, and I'm also a monk. I live in a monastery since I was 18, and I'm 75 now. And uh, and my addiction uh, took off leaps and bounds to uh, uh, when I when, after I got ordained. Uh, it's like if the devil went into me and I went crazy. But uh, going back to uh, childhood. Uh, uh, I've had so much fear during that time, grade school, and uh, I, uh, uh, I, went, I, I didn't pay attention in school. I played all the time, and that caught up with me. Finally, I had to repeat the seventh grade, and that was traumatic for me. I, uh, I, um, I just started puberty at that time, at 12 years old, and I discovered in my pain a failure. I, I, that pain, uh, I found masturbation as being the, the medicine that took care of me. And that went on the whole time, all the way until I was 42 years old when I went into treatment. And uh, high school, uh, I had my first prostitute when I was 16, and uh, I had a girlfriend for three years in high school, and uh, uh, I never had intercourse with her. I just was mutual masturbation, but uh, I, my, we got separated, and uh, I had to, uh, I, I uh, at my senior year in high school, I. I met some of our priests, and I was said, you know, maybe I ought to do that. And uh, so I entered a monastery in 1966, 18 years old. And uh, I had one year of sobriety in, in the monastery. Then I lost it. Again, it was from uh, a blotched uh, oral surgery. And uh, that pain caused me to go back into the drug of lust. And uh, then um, I went through uh, college, and I did have one. I'm heterosexual, but when you're full of lust, it don't matter. I had one homosexual relationship for about three months at college, but then I broke that off. And uh, but I continued to lust, and uh, I got through college. And uh, uh, 
then I uh, entered a, a major seminary for theology, and and uh, I know I I was still addicted all those years, uh, all through college, with uh, pornography and masturbation, and uh, in the monastery, uh, and uh, just uh, unmanageable life. And uh, when I when I got ordained, uh, I, I went crazy, and uh, I had a, I was uh, at a jail for a chaplain, and I had a car and, and money, and uh, I uh, just started going to prostitutes, and uh, uh, it was just uh, crazy, and. Um, I went through, uh, then I, uh, I, after a year, uh, of, uh, working at the jail, uh, I met the, uh, mafia that came in, they, they round up uh, seven of them and, uh, I hooked up with them being no self-esteem and, and a sex addict and a drug addict. And uh, I just, uh, well, I just uh, was with them for 10 years. And uh, I did all kinds of illegal stuff of my own will. And uh, I would uh, go to their homes and have dinner and that. And and, uh, it was a real... uh, uh, Really crazy time in my life, uh, just so impulsive and full of lust, and uh, drug addiction got worse, pain pill addiction, and uh, uh, finally, after uh, uh, yeah, Yeah, so um, I went to uh, another federal prison where I uh, was chaplain, and the drug addiction got so bad, uh, the pain pills, I I, uh, I had to resign. Nobody knew because you know it's like uh, it's not like booze, so they didn't uh, they didn't know that I was a pain pill addict, but uh, and full of lust. And it was all secret, you know. But I, I was so depressed that I, uh, I uh, had to resigned. And that was in 1988. But um, uh, so um, came back to Cleveland and. I was, the depression got so bad. I was diagnosed as a bipolar depression, anxiety disorder, and uh, substance abuse. So I went to treatment, out-of-state treatment. I was there seven months, and I went there for the drug addiction. But God bless me with, there was SA at the treatment center too. So I, I, I got it. In, indirectly, I got associated with uh, SA. And uh, after those seven months, 
came back to the monastery in Cleveland, and uh, I just uh, uh, really just lay, uh, worked outside and, and wasn't doing anything. I didn't know what I was going to do in life. And uh, finally, my uh, superior told me you got to get a job. And so uh, I got a, uh, in the mail, I got a uh, thing about training, uh, chaplaincy training, and uh, hospital chaplaincy. And I didn't know if I'd like that or not. But uh, I took the course. It was all summer. And, uh, and then I got a job at a hospital. So I had 16 years in the prisons and 20 years at the hospital, and uh, but I I got sober uh, when I got out of treatment. I had a couple slips, so uh, uh, but I but by '92 I was uh, sober, and uh, um, it was a long haul because that mental illness. I was going to a psychiatrist on medication, but. I just couldn't get rid of the depression that went on for years. In fact, it's two and a half years ago that I got relief. My my psychiatrist says it's a miracle. He gave me one. I was using. I was with this psychiatrist twenty years. We tried every medication that there could be found. Finally, there was one medication I took, and it lifted the depression up from all those years, my whole life. He he says it's a miracle. This one pill did it, but uh, so uh, so that was difficult going through S eight all those years of depressed, and uh, but I got through it, and stayed sober, and uh, today I, I I go to five meetings a week. They're letting me do it full time work in S A, even though I don't get any money. The monastery still wants me to do what I'm doing. So I go to five meetings a week, and I have many uh, sponsees. I take guys, even if they don't want to be a sponsee, I take them through the steps. It takes about four months to go through all the steps. And uh, I've been doing that for a number of years. Uh, I'd say in the last 10 years. And uh, I think that's about it. I think I'm finished. Thank you. Thank you so much, Diz. Thank, Thank you, so Diz. Thank you, Diz. Thank you so much. Thank you, Diz. Thanks, Diz. Yeah, sorry. Uh, thanks you shared, Diz. Um, and uh, <laughs> I have quite a bit of depression myself on and off. And how did you, what, what methods did you use to cope with that on a daily basis? I'm just interested. Thank you. Uh, about the uh, medication I was on? No, just how did you cope with, you know, with life on a daily basis um, when you're feeling a bit down? What actions did you take, etc.? All I did was just keep going to meetings and uh, um, I kept uh, fighting it. And I, I had to force myself to work. Uh, I could only work half days. I'd get my work done in the morning, and then in the afternoon I'd sit and read because I just didn't have the stamina. I didn't. I was still down, 
and depression. And it was a struggle all those years. And uh, uh, it messed me up when I went to, in high school sports. You know, it, it messed me up. And uh, so I didn't, uh, uh, I could have been a wrestler for three, three years, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. But I quit after about six months. Coach was angry, but I didn't know I was depressed at that time in high school. But uh, but it, it's been a struggle. I know the guys. I used to. I'd be counseling guys, you know, and I'd be in pain, and they knew I, I was depressed. But I just kept going. And like I said, I only got relief two and a half years ago. Now I do a lot more counseling and the sponsoring of that. I pass. Thanks, Dis, for the for the answers. Arpita, I saw your hand up earlier and then it went down. Do you still have a question? Hello. Am yes. I yeah, actually. I had a question in my mind and I thought maybe I should ask it or not, but like, okay, I should ask it. Uh, the question I had in my mind was, sometimes my sponsees ask me things that I don't know. And I usually tell everything to my sponsor and I take out ESH, but I have this inner turmoil going on that am I good enough when it comes to my sponsees because I feel this constant pressure of I should tell her whatever I know and I should answer every question she you know wants like she asks me like how do you tackle such things like how do you tackle such inner turmoil coming up and this inner voice telling me uh, again and again that you're not good enough and not a good sponsor is there any spiritual practice or anything that you do that makes you feel good about yourself because i have i i i have an anxiety attack issues by myself so yeah what exactly do you do? Uh, yeah, thanks. Well, it took uh, uh, many years of SA. Uh, I would, uh, the years in SA, I never did anything. I just would come, you know, and sit, listen, and leave. And uh, no fellowship and uh, uh, no sponsor. And uh, I did everything that shouldn't have done, <laughs> but I still stayed sober. But uh, you know, the depression was there, and uh, I, I felt I couldn't uh, share at a meeting because I wasn't uh, smart enough, and I wouldn't share either. That took a number of years, and uh, slowly uh, the healing took place where I started making comments and I started sharing and it's every year, two years, they get a little better and better. And eventually, uh, uh, I uh, do my counseling or, or sponsor work and I get a real high from helping them. When I get done after the hour, I leave and, and I feel great because I just help somebody. And, uh, so uh, now I have more self-confidence and uh, I, I have more uh, respect for myself. And, uh, and, and now I can, do, uh, and then without the depression, the last two and a half years, it's been great. God has sent me more guys now 
and uh, I'm able to handle it now. Okay, I pass. Thank, thank you, Diz. Uh, next, we had uh, Ken L. Thanks, Diz, for your for your share there. Uh, yeah, I would just like to ask, like, how 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 did your acting out? Uh, your addiction really affected your your priesthood, and what is the big change right now uh, with your priesthood ha after having like uh, thirty years of, of, of sobriety? So that's one question. The second question is, uh, uh, how do you differentiate a slip from like a relapse? And last question is, could I get your contact number so that I could get in touch with you? Okay. Um... He has, he has three questions. Um, first one was uh, about the priesthood. That's a night and day definite. When you're sober, uh, you don't feel all the guilt and shame. And, uh, and it's, then, then you clear the air and able to have a better relationship with God. Mm -hmm. My prayer life gets better. Uh, my understanding of scripture gets better. So when I get uh, psychologically and, and also uh, uh, physically healthy, uh, I have uh, my spiritual life gets stronger and stronger. And uh, right now, I, I just feel I'm at my every best, and my my prayer life is uh, taken off very good. And uh, let's see, what was the other questions? Yeah, he the, asked about. The, oh, go ahead. Yeah, the difference between a uh, slip and uh, like a relapse. Well, a slip, uh, they uh, usually can the next day start uh, getting sober again. And that's a slip. But a uh, relapse is when either you quit the program or you don't stop lusting. You keep on uh, going, acting out day after day. So that's a relapse. A lot of guys, they, if they if they have a slip, and they quit. Well, then that's a relapse. And uh, but the uh, thing is, is not to quit, no matter how much uh, slipping you do. So I have one guy. Twenty years it took him to get uh, three years of sobriety, and uh, he kept slipping. But he never quit the program. And so the miracle happened. Is there another question on that? Yeah, could, could I get your contact number uh, so that I could get in touch with you? My phone number? Um, wait a minute. Um, I just, wait, wait, wait. We don't want your phone number on the recording. Um, I, gave oh, okay. Ken, I gave Ken a number and voice a message. Okay. Thank you. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. Thank you, Diz. Okay, okay. Ken, for your questions. Uh, Juan Carlos. Thank you very much, uh, Diz, uh, for your inspiring share. Uh, I appreciate a lot. Um, also, I relate with avoiding the pain all my life and the medication that I found in last. But uh, my question is uh, about nowadays, uh, I suppose, for so many years of sobriety, you have gone. Uh, you have uh, got uh, a, a growth in your uh, spirituality with God. 
So I would like to know how do you uh, cultivate, how do you uh, get uh, every morning uh, your connection with God? Because so many years, uh, I suppose, is necessary to to go to foster the, the spirituality in your life. So I would like to know. Thank you. Okay. Um, uh, when I was in my addiction, I would uh, say mass for the uh, men and women of the jail, and uh, and of course they were separate. And I had one mass for the women. And after I got done with those women in in Cleveland, I would go to a city 25 miles away and act out there because uh, the the Cleveland uh, prostitutes would uh, know me from the jail. So I never acted out in Cleveland. I always went to a city outside of Cleveland to act out. But I was really, I was a real hypocrite. I mean, I'd say one thing and do the opposite. So that uh, really messed up my spirituality. It was bankruptcy. And uh, once I got real sober, sobriety, slowly, very slowly, though, I grew, I started growing uh, emotionally and spiritually. And and then my priesthood uh, wasn't always filled with guilt and shame. And... uh, so uh, today it's it's uh, the best ever, and I think it's going to get even better. It passed. Thank you, Diz. Yeah, thanks, Diz. Nancy, you're up next. Yeah, I'm Nancy Sexaholic. Um, gosh, Diz, what an amazing share! I remember meeting you back in the '90s, and then just reconnecting. Um, I'm bipolar and I just cannot imagine the those years. My question is when you talked about taking folks through the steps in four months, can you give us a quick rundown of like your outline of how you do that? Well, I use the uh, step in action book and I take uh, step one and there's 12 questions on each of the three uh, topics. One is uh, sexual history. One is um, uh, uh, unmanageability. And the other one is uh, powerlessness. And they get 12 questions on all three of those. That's step one. I take one week at a time going through that. So that's three weeks right there. Then I take them through the other steps. They answer the questions in the back of each step. They write out the answers to the questions, and I take them through. Then I use uh, the fourth step, though I use uh, Old Readers Anonymous uh, fourth step because it's got 72 questions that deal with all kinds of personality stuff and, and addiction. So I use that, and then I just keep going through the steps every week. We go through uh, the questions at the end of the each chapter, each step there. And uh, it's spread out. It takes about four months to do it. So sometimes I got two or three guys at one time, and so it gets busy. I pass. I'd like to ask a follow-up. What if people don't follow through with their assignments? They usually quit. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thanks, Diz. It's pretty clear. Um, let's see. Rachna, I see your hand up. I'm, I think you're next, and then we'll have Hamid. So, Rachna. Yeah, uh, may I request you to ask Marty first, as I can see that he's in the hospital. So, I would like to give my hands up to him. I can I can share later. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so, Marty, would you like to take Rachna's place and go ahead? Well, that's very kind of you, but <clears throat> it's it's not a dilemma. I mean, I'm, I I'd be glad to. I'll be humbly uh, thank you. You're one of God's uh, wildflowers in my life, and uh, I thank you for uh, doing that. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, yeah, Marty, grateful recovering sexaholic. And uh, uh, I'm one of uh, of your sponsees, Diz. Uh, and um, yeah, going through all of those things. And uh, one of the things, though, that I wanted you know to you to emphasize, well, two, one, the fact that you had the courage to even write out your story, which is in a little booklet, which is much longer than than today, because. Uh, you have a bigger story than you were able to share. Uh, and I, I am so grateful to having uh, been a part of, uh, of that. And secondly, all the times, one of the things you kept emphasizing with me in going through was, without me, God won't, and without God, I can't. And I, one of the things that over the years I've seen, you've emphasized that conscious contact with with God, your heavenly power, and how much that through all of that shame and guilt, you you found, uh, you know, his constant presence, even during those years of, uh, of the depression. Uh, I was a part of that for a few years uh, with you and knowing what you went through. Um, and it was because from what I remember, uh, which helped Gentle me. Time, Marty. All right, thank you. Uh, what I remember is the fact that you kept emphasizing God is there. Stay with it. And uh, so thank you again. Uh, love you, man. Bye. Thank you, Rashna. Thanks, Marty. I don't know, Diz, if you wanted to say anything. Uh well, uh, it takes rigorous honesty to uh, get this program. That means sharing, be transparent, tell what's really going on inside, get it out in the light, in the open. And uh, I know I was, uh, in my addiction, I was, I was really uh, hypocritical and uh, judgmental and all kinds of character defects. But uh, just keep working the program, go to a lot of meetings, and, uh, pray and uh, have a sponsor and, uh, and just keep working the program. And it works. It works if you work it. Thanks, Dis. Hamid, you're up next. Hi, my name is Hamid, Recovering Sexology. Thank you, Dis, for your share, for your honest share. I have a question, but you cannot answer if you don't want. 
you shared that you you were involved in illegal things for a while in your life. I want to know if you did any amend in your step eight and nine. I mean, what would be a way of amending those behaviors? Thank you. Yeah, you know, I didn't have that much uh, for eight and nine. Um, in fact, my my superior didn't want me to go to treatment. He says that it wasn't bad enough. And uh, so when I told him all that I was doing, he says, "Okay, you can go to treatment." But uh, he, he nobody knew it. It was completely secret, and I was able to hide it even from the inmates. I would hide it. And uh, so I had, didn't have to make many amends. And all my acting out was anonymously. I made no, had no relationships. And that, that kept me uh, free from getting uh, snagged in. And uh, so I stayed anonymous. So I really didn't have that many people to make amends. There were a couple, three or four, but that's about it. Yes. Yeah, uh, thank you. This is fine. You're muted. Sorry, thank you, Diz. And but specifically, were there specific amends that that you could let us know about, or would you prefer not to? Well, uh, there was three off the bat. I got. I got the administration, uh, two people in the administration that I attacked in my in my sickness. I attacked them for not doing their job. And I got one judge that I got, he got him angry because I criticized one of his sentencing. And uh, I, I was very uncharitable in my attacks. And uh, and so I made uh, amends to those three, and only one accepted the amends. The other two uh, wouldn't. So that that's it. Wow! Thank thank you for that, Diz. Uh, Nitesh, you're next. Nitesh, you'll have to unmute. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was okay. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Nitesh. I'm a lustholic, a sexholic. I have a question. I'm comparatively uh, new to this fellowship. Uh, I mean, I knew about this fellowship. I was there in this fellowship uh, maybe two years ago. But then, you know, I'm a multiple addict basically. And uh, uh, after that, I quit. Uh, you know, I wasn't using, I relapsed and I quit. And it is only, it's been more than six months now that I'm actively participating in the fellowship. Uh, what my question is, uh, uh, I, I can really understand the importance of meetings, but then uh, do I have to uh, get involved in meetings for the rest of my uh, life? You know, uh, uh, sometimes that question uh, really, uh, because it's... It, for me, right now, it feels like a big task, you know, every day, two hours of the day, because I've, I'm involved with NA as well. So, uh, you know, for how long 
to have to do everyday meetings make everyday meetings and uh, so basically that's in a, in a in a straight way that is my uh, question or uh, no after a certain period of time i'll be able to handle myself or how is it i'm thanks good question um if uh, it's like a dry if you ever heard of a dry drunk what that means is the person's not drinking but they're not uh, in recovery and they get uh, sick uh, maybe they still don't drink but they get all the character defects they stay with them and if he goes to meetings and works a program he can, he can keep lessening the effect of those character defects and uh, like in essay then if uh, if you want to get it depends on how healthy you want to get because each year that you're in SA, you get healthier you work the program so every year you can get healthier so if 30 years you're you're if you've been working the program you have a lot of uh, quality sobriety not not numerical sobriety but quality sobriety they say don't uh, no calendar sobriety but uh, real sobriety and so you can it's up to you how 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 mature now how much healing you want and there's no limit to it you can be to the day you die you can be growing and uh, it's up to you whether how far you want to grow if you stop the program you're not going to grow anymore you'll stunt your growth so you get, so if you really want to keep getting healthier, there's no limit. You can uh, go to meetings until you die. And they say that, uh, that the sexual uh, uh, sexual temptations, they don't go away until half an hour after you're dead. I pass. Thanks, Diz. And Nitesh for the, the question. Tomas. Hi, my name is Thomas. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. Uh, thank you, this uh, for this wonderful experience. Uh, I'm grateful to being able to listen to uh, a man with such a long uh, sobriety. And I would like to ask you uh, about about recent man. Uh, do you still have moments that you don't accept? the world around you even after 30 years of being sober do you still have moments that you have to call someone from let's say and share uh, about about your emotions mm, and how long uh, if you have such moments how long does it take to to let it go for you thanks Okay. Um, uh, I'm not sure of uh, the question. Um, how long does it take or, uh, to to get uh, uh, get healthy? Uh, the way I understand his question is is you've been in the program for 30 years do you still call people 
do you still have emotional issues that come up and you need to share with others? Or where are you in terms of that evolution? Oh, okay. Actually, uh, as I got healthier, I increased the phone calls. And a lot of guys call me. And uh, it, it keeps increasing. So sometimes I'm busy all day long. Uh, people calling me. So I share that I, I don't just listen. I share what I'm experiencing too. And I still get temptations. The lot I get lust hits. Uh, even while I'm praying, I can get a lust hit every day. But it doesn't control me anymore. And, but I still get lust hits after 30 years of sobriety. And, uh, but I, I need the program all the more. I was at one time about five years ago, I got complacent and I started saying, I don't like these meetings. They're boring. I'm getting tired of this program about five years ago. And I just, I went on retreat and God said, get busy. And, uh, so I went back and, uh, started, uh, commenting more, sharing more. And I just try to re rededicate myself to SA. And now uh, I got over that hurdle, and now things are really great. Does that answer the question? Yes, thank you very much for the answer. Thanks for the question, Thomas, and thanks, Diz, for your response. Uh, Francois had a question, but I don't know if he wanted to ask it now while we're recording or if he wants to wait till after the meeting. Francois? I can ask it now. I don't mind about, um, I don't mind about, about the recording. Um, hi, I am Francois. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about whether... The requirements for for staying sober, attending meetings, the spiritual practices are the same for every person. And my story is that I work in a hospital. Um, I work 12 to 14 hours a day. And um, I find it discouraging when I receive feedback that says, you should be going to this number of meetings a week. You should be doing this stuff uh, every day when a lot of people don't work 12 to 14 hours a day. Um, the thing that inspired the question is one of my closest friends is actually training to become a Catholic priest. And he told me about a saint who was counseling a noble woman. And the noble woman was beating herself up because she wasn't praying as much as monks. And this saint said to her, you're a noble woman and you're a full-time mother. You know, you have a responsibility to be a mother. A monk has a responsibility to, to pray. So you have different roles. And so what's expected of, you, expected of you is different. And so I wanted to know what your thoughts were about, especially as you're a sponsor, and I'm sure you've worked with lots of different types of people. Thank you. Okay, very good. Um, uh, every person is different. And I treat each sponsee differently. Some I, some have a struggle going through the questions and answers, and uh, and I, I 
give them suggestions, but I don't criticize them and I don't say, you know, do better. You know, I take them where they're at. And uh, uh, I don't expect, like you say, you know, uh, if you if you got you're a father or a mother of uh, six kids and you got a full time job, uh, you can't pray like a monk. That's a different vocation, and uh, you have to deal with uh, you have to spiritualize your family and uh, and get uh, get your spirituality through your family. And uh, and then as far as how many meetings you should go to. Uh, I always recommend two. Uh, one just doesn't seem to do it, but two at least is a beginning. But um, some people they can't get out, get away from the family, and so they go get on Zoom now, which is a blessing. And uh, uh, but you can't uh, you can't pray all day, and you know. If you got 14 hours of work a day, that's a lot of work. And uh, you have to try to pray whenever you get a pause in your work, say a little prayer. And you can sanctify your uh, your work. And uh, and then you'll feel better about your work, too. And uh, so each of my, each guy I sponsor is different. And I don't. Some can't do as much. Some can do more. Some I have to encourage, you know, to do more. Because I, I know they're just, uh, you know, uh, being complacent. But, uh, uh, so, yeah, you, you're right in that idea. you got to do your vocation first. And, uh, you, you know, if you're a family man, you got to take care of family first. But, again, you can't... You want to be sober, you know, to help yourself and your family. So you have to do maybe do Zoom meetings, two Zoom meetings a week or something like that. Uh, so that, that's so I'll pass. Thanks, Francois. Thank you. And thanks, Jis. Uh, we've got Rokia and then Rachna, and then maybe time for one or two more shares after that. So, Rokia? Uh, thank you, this uh, My question, I have two questions. Well, as far as this, um, uh, do you have experienced such moments that you have conflict between what service said and what the program said? Um, like, uh, especially about resentment or your feelings um, and how you deal with it? Uh, my second question is um, oh, oops, I forget it, but uh, if I remember it uh, after the meeting, I will be there. Thank you very much. I'm not, I'm not sure if I got the first question. Uh, I, I, uh, I didn't understand it. Go ahead and rephrase it, Rokia. Do you have experience that you conflict? You have conflict, but what 
the your service set or the program set like uh, uh, about my resentment when I share it with my service. She said to me that I have the right to be angry and uh, um, angry maybe of my parents because what they have did to me. But uh, in the program, they should, they said that I should uh, uh, treat them well and uh, be good with them, something like that. I hope you yeah. understand my meaning. Yeah. yeah, I am. They always say you you uh, you don't like. It's all right not to like someone, but you have to love them. So. What you do is, is uh, you, you say to yourself, uh, they're uh, sons and daughters of God, and uh, uh, they, you know, I don't like what they do, but uh, I'll stay open to in case they want to change, and uh, you don't, uh, you don't uh, amputate and cut yourself off from the relationship, but you don't. You don't have to be buddy buddy friends, person that you don't like. But but what you do is is you still treat them with respect and uh, pray that they change their behavior. But you still uh, it's, it's a fine line between being a doormat and humility. Uh, we don't have to take abuse, uh, but we have to uh, be humble too. And allow the person to make a mistake and, and uh, not get angry. But uh, the sin is not the anger; it's what we do with it. It can be either virtuous or sinful. So it's not a sin to be angry, but it is a sin if you uh, beat somebody up because you're angry. So, uh, so if feelings are not wrong. You don't have good feelings or bad feelings. You just you have feelings, but then you got to know what to do with them. And, uh, and as long as you treat a person with respect and pray that they change, uh, that, that's that's all you have to do. Does that answer your question? Yes, thank you. This. Thanks, Rukia. And uh, Rachna, you're next. Yeah, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, everyone. Uh, thank you so much, Des. I am Rachna from India, and I completed 20 months today, uh, which uh, I think uh, it's just, you know, uh, beginning of my essay sobriety journey. And uh, But with baby steps, I am moving forward. But when I see long-timers like you and so many here also, uh, then I see... Uh, it's a lifelong program for sure. So my question is, uh, what uh, what is your practice of being humble or or humbleness in your life when you started your uh, a journey of sobriety? Uh, I understand. I'm listening to you, and your share was smaller than your answers. So I am getting many, many helpful, you know, takeaways from your answers, which you are giving to everyone. So I, I really would appreciate if you tell me the initial days of your 
let's say one year second year like that so um yeah how you practice in those days so i'm just planning to you know move forward and take the baby step and change the gear for my recovery so that i keep on growing and not you know just be complacent on wow it's 20 months no i just want to keep moving it's a lot of work there so yeah i hope you get my question thank you yeah it's um, in the beginning uh, the first couple well actually the first 3 years i uh, masturbated once each year <laughs> and uh until finally, I just was I gotta get serious with this. I can't get. Uh, I was just coasting along, and I wasn't really putting my heart into the program. But once I, uh, once I uh, made a decision to work the program with my whole heart, it got much better. My spirituality got better, and the more I opened up at the meetings and, and was transparent. Tell them what I feel and what I like or dislike, what my temptations are and how I deal with them. And I just share share my insides, bring the insides out. Uh, I started getting more humble. Um, the more the more I experience, more I shared my weaknesses, the stronger I got, and uh, and that people learned from my mistakes. They learned from uh, where I went wrong. And um, so uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking yourself less. And uh, and also it means truth, the truth about myself. You know, I'm a sex addict, a sex addict, mentally ill, and a drug addict. And... uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm not just that. I, that's my past and well present too. But, but I have to uh, uh, humble myself. Like, like if I get insulted, someone's angry at me. I, I don't uh, retaliate. I just accept, accept what they say, and uh, that helps with humility. Know the truth about yourself. That's it's beginning of humility. Know the truth about yourself, the good and the bad. I pass. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Mm -hmm.